I'm Luke Kelly, and I'm the founder of the Line and Length Movement, dedicated to ripping the covers off mental health stigma. After a rough spell with my mental health, I contacted a large number of mates to come together to play a game of cricket with a very unique point of difference. In between innings, a supportive platform was provided where those who felt comfortable showing some vulnerability openly spoke about their personal mental health journey. Thus, the Line and Length movement was born. While we are not mental health experts on this podcast, we are always here to support. So if you or anyone you know is feeling a bit flat, please have a talk to the experts like Lifeline, Beyond Blue, or a medical professional. Today's episode is sponsored by Picker Financial Solutions. The support that Justin Picker is providing will go a long way in assisting the Line and Length movement in ripping the covers off mental health. While we here at Line and Length focus on mental health, Picker Financial Solutions can help you with your financial health. And now, onto this week's episode of This Is Your Line and Length. This week, I'm your host, Luke Kelly, joined by our guest, Aidan Smith. The roles have been reversed, and Aidan, you're our guest. Welcome, mate. Mate, it's uh, it's a pleasure to be on this side of the the sort of interview. Um, I'm not gonna lie; I'm pretty nervous. I, I like I get it now when when most mm. of our guests say that they have been nervous to come on the show. It's like I've I've done this for what 14, 15 episodes now, and it is nerve wracking being on this side of the this side of the microphone. I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's mate, it's nerve wracking for me as well being uh, in the main chair. You do, you do a great job in the main chair, but. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just filling in for this episode and I, I know that there are things that you want to speak about and I'm really keen to, to delve in and, and dive deep into, you know, what you want to share because I feel like our, our audience will get a, a deeper understanding of who Aidan Smith is. So um, I guess without further ado, who is Aidan Smith? Uh, I always love listening to this question when I ask it to other people. Um, yeah. And it took, it took a little bit of thinking to kind of work this question out for myself. Um, I would say that I'm an introverted extrovert. Um, so while I, I love being around people and I feed off people's energy, I really value my own space and my own time. Yeah. Um, I am currently studying counseling, um, you know, 10 years after I thought I was going to be a radio host on air. Um, and I guess I kind of do something similar to that with this podcast, but, um, I, uh, look, I've done sales for the past 10 years of my life. Um, I've always been in sales. I know how to talk to people and that's kind of what led me to do counseling. But I realized that while a monetary reward is great and then sort of being paid mm. for doing sales is excellent. I needed something more. I needed something, what, what I've called soul rewarding. Um, and so that's why I've turned to counseling and I, I'm now in my sort of second year of a counseling degree, hoping that I can either go and work with um, uh, trauma clients or um, I can work with youth and go and work in schools and teach young men how to sort of have conversations around mental health and sort of be proactive about it, not just kind of the reactive way that, that mental health education is at the moment. Yeah, well, as a mate, like I can see that you're a natural to go into this counselling world. Um, have you sort of found with your classes and, you know, your studies, you're picking it up as a natural or does it, does it come as hard work for you? Yeah, um, great question. The theory stuff, the theory, don't get me wrong, the theory side really I have to work out. Like I haven't studied in 10 years. So learning all the theory and learning about um, person-centric theory or gestalt theory or Adlerian theory and how to apply those to a conversation, that that takes a lot of work because I don't, 
I don't know about a lot of that stuff. And, and like, I've got to go back and learn how to study and, and how to, you know, actively read a book and, and take things from it rather than just reading everything at face value. The conversation side of things, though, it's really funny. A lot of the skills that I learn during sales uh, are actually really applicable to what I learn and what I have to do in counseling. So things like active listening, paraphrasing, summarizing, they're all skills that um, thankfully I, I, I know how to do because I've been practicing for them for 10 years. So they come yeah. super easily for me. Yeah, nice, mate. Now, this is studying counseling your second time round at uni the, the first time round at uni is how we met we met yeah. at csu bathurst which which was great great times uh, for some but there are also you know there, there are struggles that are associated with going to uni and i understand that your first crack at uni at bathurst you know you, you personally went through quite a bit of hardship and um i'm, I'm gonna ask you if you wanted to, to go into that as much or as little as, as you're comfortable doing. No, I, I'm completely comfortable with doing that. And, and look, it's something that I have realized now I should have been talking about 10 years ago when I was at Baptist. Um, I should have been completely open with everyone that I was there with and all of my friends, including everyone at the Mitchell Rugby Club because they were a massive support network for me. So, um, yeah, 2000 and 2010, um, your, your second year, my first year of uni, I um, made the journey out to Bathurst. Uh, a wild place, uh, a lot of fun, and I made some of my best mates there. Um, and I love everyone that I went to uni with, and I've learned a lot from all of those people. And on a lot of those people, we've also had on this podcast, so you can go back and listen to a lot of what they, what I have learned from them. Um, yeah. My journey through uni, I started doing commercial radio. As I said, I was going to be a radio host. That was my whole thing. I was going to be a radio host. It was going to be fun. I was going to have like a national program. It was going to be great. I was going to be famous. Um, and then kind of shit hit the fan for me um during my first year my dad was battling um cancer stomach cancer um and in 23rd of august in 2010 he unfortunately lost that battle um in my and uh at the time i told my dorm about it and and a lot of the members of the rugby club as well um and that was like that was a pretty rough time for me um i kind of I guess I'd say I self-medicated through that. Um, not through any actual medication. I just got drunk all the time. Um, and like, you, you know how it was, man. Like it, when we were in Bathurst, uh, it was a big drinking culture. So I was drinking six days a week, basically. Um, and, you know, I was still doing everything. I was going to uni, I was playing rugby. Um, I was still social with everybody. Um, but that was kind of probably the turning point for me where looking back now things were going on with my mental health that i didn't recognize that i wish i did i still got support through from all of my mates from everyone at uni from everyone at home my family um which was awesome um but it was you know it's a tough time you, you i lost my dad it's it's rough for everyone for anyone um my second year of uni um i was also in a pretty toxic relationship I mean, again, looking back now, there were massive warning flags and red, uh, like red flags and warning signs that I should have noticed, but I didn't. Um, and at the end of second year of uni, I got diagnosed type 1 diabetic as well, um, just to kind of add fuel onto the fire. And all through this, I still, I was self-medicating through all this. I was still just drinking and getting incredibly drunk and not actually dealing with any of the problems that I was going through. Um, third year of uni, um, relatively all right up until sort of the midway point where unfortunately one of my mates um, from school 
and everyone at the rugby club knows uh, knows him as well because he came to Bathurst Sharpie. He took his own life. Uh, and then fourth year uni, nothing happened. It was a relatively uneventful fourth year of uni, which was kind of nice, even though I was only doing a three-year degree. I, I had to take a fourth year because you know, shit happens and you kind of lose focus of a lot of things when um, all that sort of stuff happens. So yeah, that was my my eventful journey through my first uni experience. Yeah, mate, that's like an incredible, you know, struggle, incredible three challenges that, you know, you've been dealt there, the cards you were dealt, incredibly unfair. Um, you know, going back to the to the first struggle that you mentioned there, you, your dad sadly passing away, I mean, that shouldn't happen to anyone at, what, what were you, 20 years old? Yeah, 20. 20 years old, you know, your brain's probably still developing, you know. That's um, incredibly sad, but, you know, I'm going to ask you, how, do you, how did you cope with that loss? I, looking back now and, and with the sort of advantage of hindsight, I, there were like three kind of phases where I dealt with it. Um, the first was, was the sort of first four years of uni where I just ignored the problem and I just got drunk. Yeah. I, I didn't see anyone. I didn't take care of myself mentally. I didn't, I, at that point, I wasn't even taking care of myself physically. Um, I ballooned out in weight. I rocked up to, uh, I think I rocked up in second year, about 120 kilos. Like I was a big boy at that point. Um, mm. And yeah, I didn't, I didn't deal with any of my problems. I just kind of ignored them and figured that they would go away and, and just kind of acted like I, I had and that I was stronger and I was mentally prepared for everything. Um, and then when I left uni, um, again, I didn't really deal with my problems. It took me a while to actually realize that I had something wrong. And unfortunately that resulted in me um, harming the relationship I would have had with my sister. Um, the two of us yeah. fought a lot um, and I can be quite loud. Um, so I would get quite vocal with it. And and yeah, I yelled a lot and I got I screamed and yelled. And um, I think the, the relationship, and thankfully the relationship with my sister now is great. We're, we're close and we're good friends, but... I think that harmed the relationship a lot. And then finally, um, it would have been about four, four years ago. Um, that's when I started to actually deal with everything. Um, I went and saw a psychologist. Um, I, I, I went to the doctor and I said, look, I need help. I, I, I'm, drown I'm drowning. I feel like I'm drowning. Yeah. Um, and so I started getting help for that um, and started actually dealing with all the problems and, and everything that I was sort of going through. And that helped me get through it. Um, and that's, yeah. you know, I'm quite, I'm quite vocal about that. Like if you need help with mental health, go see a doctor that you trust or maybe even a friend that you trust that you know is seeing, seeing a psychologist or something like that and, and ask them for a referral, ask them for, you know, can this person help me out or do you know someone that can help me deal with whatever problems I'm going through? Yeah. So yeah, they're, they're kind of the three stages that I went through. You mentioned there, you said, I need help. Um, and you went and sought professional advice is that something that you sort of wish you did earlier or is it something you think you timed pretty well or what's um looking back yeah I, I definitely wish I did it earlier um like mm. I, I really wish I'd found sort of a psychologist or, or a counselor or a psychiatrist any of those sort of like mental health professionals I wish I found one of those in in first year uni someone that I really connected with that you know I could go to and I could um they were separate from my situation. That's what I think I appreciated most from it was I had someone who knew absolutely nothing about me other than this is the situation that I'm dealing with and they would help me out through it. 
and it's not to say that, you know, my friends didn't help and, um, you know, they didn't pull me aside if I needed, if they needed to have a chat or they wanted to talk about something with me, they did that. But it's that kind of out person on the outside looking in that really gave me sort of fresh perspective and new ways to kind of tackle what it was I was going through. Yeah. Um, you mentioned in the second year, you said there were, there were sort of two things in the second year that were challenges for you, um, toxic relationship and being diagnosed as a type 1 diabetic. Do you, in, with, the, with the benefit of hindsight now, do you think that you maybe contributed to making it a toxic relationship? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, Great, great question. I did. I 100% did because I was reliant on this person. I, I got back to, essentially I got back together with an ex um, and I was yeah. super reliant on this person because it was comfortable and it was something that wouldn't change. And that was the problem is that it wasn't ever going to change. I didn't, my feelings changed for this person because I didn't, I wasn't romantically invested in them. But they were there and they were a comfort because it was very easy to fall back on. So yeah, partly I was to blame for that. Um, and so it was, yeah, it was a combination of my actions and a whole bunch of other things that kind of went on behind the scenes that, that also kind of, I guess, tanked my mental health from, from that sort of perspective. Yeah. And, and that's also been a journey back is, is um, sort of my, uh, how I get into relationships and how I, I, I try not to be super dependent on someone because of that. Hearing your explanation of that, you can see personal growth, your own personal growth throughout over the years. Um, the the like this significant event rocked everybody's world at CSU and especially at the footy club. But um, Sharpie ending his own life, you said that you went to high school with him. Is that correct? And then rolled into uni. Yeah, Sharpie and I. Um, we, we were in the same year at high school and, and we, were, we were pretty close. Like we both lived in the same suburb, um, on different ends of the suburb, but you know, we'd every now and then we'd have a massive chat sort of at the train station. Um, and he was just, you ask anyone who ever had a conversation with Sharpie and he was always the happiest dude. He would have a chat with absolutely anybody and, and never had any sort of prejudiced feelings towards people. He'd talk to absolutely anyone about anything. Um, yeah. And I, like, I remember, um, it was, it was a Sunday after rugby um, and I was sitting in my room and I overheard my RA saying something about Sharpie being in hospital. And I jokingly said, oh, what, what's that idiot done now? Thinking like, it's just a drunken injury. He's going to be yeah. fine. Yeah. Yeah. And she said, oh, so how do you know Sharpie? And I explained, oh, like I went to school with him. He's a good mate. I like, got a lot of time for the guy. And then she kind of pulled me into my room and closed the door. And that was kind of when I was like, oh, shit, something's going on. Yeah. And then she kind of told me and I just, yeah, I just, I, I broke down. Um, that was, that was a rough, that was a rough time for everyone at the footy club and, and anyone who knew, knew Sharpie at that point as well. Yeah. Were you in a similar position to me, whereas you could see the devastating effect everywhere you looked at, at university? Yeah. Everyone was sort of rocked by that one. Everyone was sort of rocked by that. And like even people who, didn't personally know Sharpie, but knew of him was affected by that. Like at least you, you know, that's, that's like six degrees of separation. Someone knew Sharpie and you probably knew that person that also knew him. And it, it was this massive ripple effect. I also had um, the sort of oversight or oversight of the, 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 the view of being able to see the wider community, like the, the mates I went to school with, um, you know, and other people within the sort of same circles that, 
were also affected by it and the massive sort of ripple effect that um, it did bring a lot of people closer, uh, closer together and made a lot of us realize that like, holy shit, we need to be talking about mental health and making sure that like we're doing things to actively get better at this. And I think that's around the time we started doing a lot of the headspace stuff as well. Um, and that was in honor of Sharpie and, and we've continued like the CSU um, Mitchell men have continued that on. And I think that's a great thing. And, and just trying to get that conversation started is just so important. Yeah. The, the CSU rugby club have always been really good with getting headspace you know, around, around the club and just promoting it. They're right around us at the moment, promoting minor league. Also the CSU, <laughs> the league club, the members, they're getting around us as well. So I think it's, you know, it's good to see that change. And I guess we were there first to see it from scratch start. Yeah, look, uh, it's unfortunate circumstances. Like, it's really shit that, that that's what had to happen for us to kind of yeah. pull our finger out and get it done. But the yeah. fact that we've kind of risen around it and gotten a lot better at doing what we're doing, like, Line and Length was partially born because of that and moving forward and 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 you know it, it's your own experiences that kind of brought this to life like brought line and length into a thing and turned this whole podcast into a thing as well yeah oh so and we spoke there at depth sort of about uh you know, challenges that you went through the first crack of the year um just throw in the triple h questions now mate uh, a segment that sort of getting some good feedback from everyone so my um I think I know this answer, but my first question is, uh, who's your hero, Aiden? Who's Aiden Smith's hero? Uh, probably going to be no surprises. It's definitely my dad. Um, I aspire. I aspire to be as great as he was. Um, he was very well known around his sort of work community, his friends, for promoting um, people. He was never about jobs. He was always about people, and he was always the first person to give credit to um, whatever happened to the team that worked on it never really took it for himself. So I, ta- I took that in life and I ran with that and have continually run with that. Um, he was always, as I said, he was always people focused. People, you never needed to fire people. They were just in the wrong job. So you could just shift them to a, to a position that would suit them a lot better. And again, I've, um, I've worked in management before and I, I had that philosophy too, that just because someone wasn't good at sales didn't mean that they that we should get rid of them. It just meant that that wasn't the right job for them, that maybe they were better off in the storeroom or maybe they were better off in our media department um, and they'd just been unfortunately put in the wrong position. Um, and he just, he had a lot of love for everyone. Yeah, love that. So, yeah. I love those type of blokes. Yeah. Yeah. And what's the I guess this to tie into that, but uh, the question of hardship, you know, and some hardship. Um, we have touched on that. <laughs> Look, we have, to that? we have a little bit, um, like my entire first year of uni was filled with hardship. Um, and because of that, um, I've dealt with both depression and anxiety since then. Um, and they're not going away anytime soon. Um, I just need to deal with them. And I work through that. I've got, self-care routine that I kind of practice as much as possible. Um, you know, I've been trying to get into meditation because um, I hear everyone on the podcast talk about it every other week. It's right, good. Um, we'll get you. We'll win you over. <laughs> we'll win you over. I'm getting there. I've just, I've just got to find the right one that works for me. Like uh, Genoa says, like there's one that will work for you. You've just got to find it. Um, and I'm giving as much of it, as much as I can a chance. Um, but yeah, I've, I've dealt with the two of them for 10 years and I wish that I kind of had a, uh, more knowledge around 
what the signs and symptoms of both of them are. Uh, yeah. Like I kind of look back and think like if in high school I had known what anxiety had looked like or like even my entire year group, if we'd known what ang- what the signs and symptoms of anxiety were, when it got to things like the HSC, for example, how much better would people have been in dealing that, dealing with that yeah. because we know what to do. We know some self-care stuff. We know how to like yeah. look after each other rather than like, I found out I had anxiety like a year and a half ago. I didn't know what it was and I was absolutely terrified by it, but I had this overwhelming sense of dread. I um, was in a job at the time where it really felt like I was, um, that I wasn't ready for that job, that I wasn't actually supposed to be there. Kind of like, I felt like I was an imposter in the job, I guess. Um, And it just, yeah, it really, um, it really messed with my head a lot. And again, I went, I went sort of professional. Like I reached out to a doctor and said, Hey, something's going on with my mental health. I need help. I don't know what's going on. Um, and a couple of friends noticed like I was pretty shut off and reserved um, in most social situations, which I can be when I'm in a new situation, but you know, when around, around these people that I've been friends with for 20 years or I'm super close with, um, they kind of realized and they were like, are you okay? What's going on? Um, and that also really made me realize the importance of like having mates that actually recognize when something's up. Um, there are a, like, I've got a lot of mates, not all of them know when I'm dealing with something or can tell the subtle differences in my behavior when I'm not okay. And there are, there are a few that can, but when they do, it's such a big help of just them going, what's up, what's going on, talk to us sort of thing. So, um, but yeah, like I, I deal with depression and anxiety every, every day. Um, I deal with it particularly around sort of this time of year, July, July and August. Um, that's, that's a rough time of year for me. Uh, but, you know, I, I get on with it because as much as depression sucks and it doesn't make me want to do anything, if like, what am I going to get out of it by just staying in bed? I'm just going to end up lying there and just feeling even worse about myself. So it's just sim- it's, it's simple things that I do. So I get up and I make my bed and that's, that's a win. That's a win for the day. I've made my bed. Um, I get up and I might, um, you know, have a shower, brush my teeth uh, and then go and cook a breakfast. That's a small win. And I, I like to think of it as like the way that I'm going to beat depression and defeat, defeat and defeat all of this sort of stuff is small victories because small victories will build towards a big one for me. Yeah, that's right. Um, this sort of, that answer sort of leads a into my next question. What does depression mean? What do you believe depression is like? It's it's definitely different for every single person. Um, depression for me is I I get sad. Like I definitely get sad. It's a big part of it. But I become super quiet, withdrawn, and reserved from a lot of people. And it it generally builds over a couple of days for me. Um, and when I start to notice it, that's when I start like trying to proactively make things happen. So I try and organize events with people and I just I just start trying to organize these really, and it might just be small things. It might be like, hey man, I'm playing some video games today. Jump online and play with me. That's all I want. Like, like guys, I just, that's it. Um, and that that kind of helps get me out of it, but I have to like really force myself to do it. And it's not like a, it's not like a quick message. It's like, I'm, Sometimes I just stare at the phone and I'm like, I, uh, can I actually message this? And then I've got to go through the thought process of like, okay, well, like, 
the result of you not sending that message is you're going to lie here in bed doing absolutely nothing for the entire day and you're going to waste this day. Um, or, you know, you're, you're going to end up getting worse because all you're going to do is just start thinking about like, uh, thinking about that. You can think about all this depressed, like how depressed you are and how sad you are. And you know, you're going to stop enjoying the things that you like doing. And that's, that's happened a couple of times before where I just stopped enjoying a lot of things that I used to like. And, and it's, I'm, I'm slowly getting a lot of that back. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of like I, I forced myself to take that first step. Um, Anxiety wise for me, it's, um, I often feel, I get sort of a feeling like I shouldn't be somewhere that like I shouldn't be including an event or I shouldn't be with this group of people or like I'm, I'm, I'm an imposter in this sort of friends, friend group sort of thing. And that's, that's not true. Um, and I know that that's not true, but something in my head makes me think that, um, and when I get that sort of feeling I just kind of have to take a step back just take a deep breath and kind of reset myself and be like no you you are a part of this friend group like they do these things because you're the one that introduced them to it and they like doing it because you introduced it to them um and you know it's it's depression anxiety look different for everyone and it's not always it's it's not the same and different things work for different people um, especially when talking about like trying to recover or trying to cope with those sorts of things. But, um, I think Haley said it really well in her, in her podcast where like she lives with anxiety, she lives with it. She's not, she, you know, she's trying to overcome, she overcomes it every day and it's not something that she's going to beat once and for all because she lives with it and, and it's with her. And that's, I kind of guess what I'm looking at depression and anxiety. Like I deal with them every day and I'll beat them one day at a time. Yeah, so you manage, the way you manage it every single day. Thank you, and thank you for you, you know, being so open and honest and vulnerable with me. Um, this is sort of an extended Triple H uh, this week, but uh, I guess that leads to the third question. Uh, what's the hi- what, today? What's the highlight? Uh, of highlight of my life. Um, I wish I, I forgot about this one when I was preparing for this. To be honest. Um, <laughs> I've got a couple of highlights. Um, yeah. The the first was when I I I asked for help. I think that was yeah, a big highlight. No, um, no uh, meeting meeting my godson for the first time. Uh, my best mate yeah. had uh, Sebastian, his kid, November last year. And uh, the first the first time I got to meet Sebastian was a pretty big highlight of my life. Um, and then my collection of friends and family. Um, I think. I think they reflect me as a person pretty well. And I am super proud and incredibly happy to have all of them, including yourself, Kells, be a part of my life. Um, I guess I want to lead into sort of how do you look after your lid? You know, what are the self-care strategies that you do? You mentioned some in that answer before. I understand that. what, What do you specifically do? Um, I look, uh, I haven't been as good at it over the past couple of weeks. Um, like I said, this is not a fun time of year for me, but I, I, I do small things. So like, uh, I, I like to do small things and, and small victories, whether it's just making my bed, whether it's, um, going outside, cooking a meal, small things like that. When I'm feeling down, that builds towards me feeling better. Um, I am also a big video gamer. I love playing video games. Um, so 
Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> you should play it. You should play it. I, I, I'm, I'm big into all of that and I really like playing video games, um, watching movies. I am also a massive Dungeons & Dragons nerd. Um, I play Dungeons & Dragons as much as I possibly can and anyone and anyone is welcome to play with me. Um, and that that's a lot of fun. I love the whole process of world building and making characters and playing and role playing and all that sort of stuff. And that, um, that for me is a really fun way. It's a fun way for me to kind of work through all of my stuff because... You know, I build a little bit of myself into all of my characters. There's a little bit of my personality into all of them. And so that's a, it's a, it's a way for me to kind of act out a different side of me in that. Um, but yeah, the biggest one is definitely small, small wins. Um, if you, if you, if you do it, if you're in a state where you feel like nothing's going right, do something in your control, um, whether it's making your bed, whether it's cleaning just a dish a small victory is going to help push you further towards the big win of being able to do something massive that day. And maybe it's yeah. you're depressed and you don't want to go outside. You don't want to go and meet your friends, but you know somewhere in your head or your heart that you have to go and do that. Right. Start with a small victory. Get out of bed. That's a victory. Make the bed. That's a victory. Have a shower. You're building, you're building towards this greater thing that you're trying to do. And once those things start to become routine you're going to get a lot better at that. Yeah, nice, mate. Really good answer. Um, you mentioned there, like, video games and Dungeons and & Dragons, and I actually love this fact that you and me couldn't be more different in our interests if we tried. Like, yep. video gaming and Dungeons and & Dragons, etc., is not for me, but I love that you love it, you know? I love that you're passionate about it. I, I think finding with one link to this podcast is that everyone's got their own unique and sometimes quirky interests but we just sort of get around each other whatever that is we, we sort of buy in buy into it because it means something to that person and it's, I, I, I genuinely love that it was it was funny listening i think hugh, hugh medway's one was a great a great example of that um about the whole like he likes watching people play video games sort of thing and like yeah you know he whenever you'd walk into the room he'd flick off of it just in case Oh, I've been him for years for that. <laughs> but like, it, it's funny. Like, sometimes you're like, yeah. oh, I don't, I don't think people, I don't think people might want to know about this, or like, they might mm. think that you know that's too nerdy or something like that. And it's like, yeah, but if you enjoy it, who really cares whether you, yeah, whether no. someone doesn't like it or not? Like, I love Dungeons Dragons. It's super nerdy. Like, I get that, but I enjoy it, and it's a lot of fun, and I don't care whether people don't like it or not. Um. Something you didn't mention, we haven't mentioned this interest. You you mentioned to me briefly is axe throwing. Yes. Yeah. Talk to me. <laughs> Tell us all what is um, axe throwing for you. Yeah, axe axe throwing is um unfortunately I can't do it at the moment because Sydney's in lockdown. Um but axe throwing I kind of stumbled upon. I went once with an old work group and it was a lot of fun. Um and you know, I'm 6'2", I have a giant red beard, I look the part of like a Viking axe thrower, um, so everyone thought I'd be naturally good at it, and I was, I was pretty okay at it, um, and then, you know, a year or so went by, and then a group of mates at, at um, I'm working at JP Hi-Fi at the moment, they said, oh, let's, let's go axe throwing, let's go axe throwing, it'd be good fun, I was like, sweet, like, I'll come along, I'll, like, this will be a bit of a laugh, we'll see how terrible we all sort of are at it, and um, the more I got into it, the more I realized like it's such a great sort of stress relief because wooden boards can't fight back. And two, I can throw that ax pretty hard at a wooden target. I'm not going to hurt anybody from it. Um, yeah. 
And it's a great, it's a massive stress relief. Like I walk out of a lot of axe throwing sessions and I feel a lot calmer. I feel a lot, um, a lot less stressed. So, you know, I guess I take out all my anger and frustration on, on the axe boards, but, um, yeah, it's great. I go, I go pretty often, like once every, once every two weeks, I sort of go down, um, and the guys down there, you know, they all kind of know me at this point, but it's a, it's a lot of fun and it's a great sort of stress relief. And I guess, um, you know, we heard Jack G speak about it and we've heard multiple people on the podcast speak about it, but like that sort of physical activity is just so important and getting out and, and doing some kind of exercise, yeah. um, definitely helps clear the mind and it helps just kind of reset everything. Um, and so, you know, even just after listening to Jack G's episode, what, two weeks ago, um, you know, I've started trying to get out more. I start trying to walk a lot more and, and you know, um, even, even though I love playing video games, I'm like, right, before I do any video games or anything, I'm going to go, I'm going to go for a half hour, 45 minute walk. And then I'm going to sit down and play some games rather than just like get out of bed, pull myself into my gaming chair and just sit there and play games. I'm like, no, no, yeah. do physical activity and then go and play. And, and that's, that's also like really helped. Like I'm, you know, mentally I end up a little bit clearer and a little bit more straightforward thinking when I go and do that physical activity rather than just kind of moving from bed to chair. Where's your um? Where's your local axe throwing? Uh, is it center? <laughs> Give range. the boys a plug. I think yeah. it's a, think it's an axe throwing range. Um, I go to kiss my axe down in uh, I think it's Alexandria. Um, they're they're great, awesome community down there. Great bunch of people. Um, all the the experts as they call themselves. Oh, uh, I love um, that. They're they're a lot of fun. Uh, and mate, Kels, when you're down in Sydney, if this lockdown isn't going on, we'll we'll get down there and we'll have a throw, and, and you can see how fun it is for yourself. I'd love that. And anyone else that wants to go axe throwing, Aiden, slide into his DMs. Definitely, I'm down. Axe throwing is a lot of fun. I recommend everyone gives it a go. Nice, mate. Um, looking back, you know, you, this podcast we've spoken about so much personal growth. You know, you you really have from rocking up to see us here in your first year to, to where we are now as co-hosts of this um, podcast and yourself have involved um, going back to your 18 year old self what advice would you give you, what advice would you give yourself um, it's funny I I probably wouldn't listen to myself to be honest but yeah, and like a lot a lot, a lot, a lot of people have that. said that yeah. <laughs> um, but I would, I'd try to give myself two pieces of advice. Um, and I think that they're both pretty equal and, and on the same level. And I'd need both of them to actually be able to do anything. Um, I think the first piece of advice I would give would be um, ask for help. If you're, if you're not feeling it, ask for help. Um, no one wants to see you fail. Like no one is intentionally going to harm you or go out of their way to make sure that you fail at something. Ask for help whether it's with an assignment or you're going through something mentally, it is completely okay and acceptable for you to ask someone for help. Um, the second piece of advice is be open and honest about what either what you're going through or what you feel about something. Uh, and it's taken me, I'm, I'm 30 now, it's taken me 12 years since I was 18 to, to finally realize like I should be talking to people when I feel down. I should be talking to people when I'm feeling super anxious about something or I am depressed or 
I don't want to do things. It's complete. It, like it's okay if you don't want to do something. It's okay for you to talk about that and just go. No, I'm not. I'm not feeling that. I'm not going to do that. You guys do it if you want to, but I'm out. But it's also really important and really okay to talk to people about what's going on in your head or what you're currently dealing with in life. Um, and I should have done that when I was at uni. I should have talked to more about, hey, I'm not okay. I'm going like, I've just lost my dad. I'm not going okay. I need help. Um, I should have done that with a lot more people at uni. I should have done that with a lot more mental health professionals because I also acknowledge that we weren't that and we're still not that. We're still kind of learning about all of it. Um, But yeah, those would be the big two is um, it's okay to ask for help and should be open and honest with everything. That's really good advice. A really, really well thought out answer would be great if every... 18 year old that that knowledge right like it would it would help a lot and it hopefully like you know if people are listening to this and it does start a conversation fantastic if we've got parents that are listening to this podcast and you're trying to part advice to your kids you know tell them what you think think their best advice is but being open and honest and and making sure that they know that it's okay to ask for help if you're struggling it's so important that that everyone accepts that you can't go through everything in life on your own and winning everything solo. You do need a team and, and, and a support network and, and asking for help from that network is just so important. Um, Aiden, what are some must-read books that uh, you think everyone should read and be exposed to? Must-read books. Um, I am an avid fantasy reader. I love fantasy books. Um, and the one that really sticks out to me, and um, if anyone wants a second opinion on this book, you can ask James Lombardo about it, but The Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss, um, and it's also its sequel, The Wise Man's Fear. Um, they are two of the most beautifully written books that I have ever read in my life, um, and they're absolutely incredible. I highly recommend people people read those, but also like... Um, Things like uh, The Magician by Raymond E. Feist. Um, I'm, I haven't read a lot of self-help books. Um, I think there's there's a couple that I have read. Um, the first one is uh, Who Moved the Cheese? Um, and It's Okay to Be the Boss. Both of which were when I was going into management and I was just, I was a little bit hesitant and unsure about what I was going to be like or what I should be like as a manager. And it's okay to be the boss was probably the, the more important one that I read because it, it made it, I wanted to be everyone's friend, but I didn't know where the line stopped of being a friend and being a manager and being a boss was. Um, and I often erred on the side of, I'm just going to be your friend rather than kind of telling you what to do. Um, and reading that book is really important because it kind of showed like, yeah, you can be everyone's friend, but at some point you are their manager. You are their yeah. boss. They should yeah. respect you and do what you ask them to do for that. Um, and that kind of stud, stuck out, uh, stood out for me. So they're kind of they're kind of the four books I would recommend. But definitely, definitely um, uh, the the name of the name of the wind and then Wise Man's Fear. They're both incredibly beautifully written books. Nice. Um, final question, Aiden. Um, what's this podcast experience taught you about yourself? You know, being on the receiving end. What's it? You know, I did it first in episode <laughs> one, so I, I sort of know. But I think, I think we're at nineteen. This will be, I think this is the nineteenth episode. What um, what's it like on the other end? What's it taught you about yourself? Being the guest, 
It's it's funny. Uh, I'm gonna answer this in two parts. Um, firstly, this is this is 18. Well, I'll I'll say 18 episodes. Um, yeah. I've I've hosted this podcast, and it's been such an eye opening experience. Um, talking to mates that I've known have had something going on, and mates that I haven't, um, and kind of realizing that like oh shit like we are all going through stuff that's not just lip service that my psychologist tells me like we are all going through stuff and that you know it uh, i guess that old age old saying of like before you criticize someone walk a mile in their shoes sort of thing that's so appropriate because you don't know what someone's going through sitting here and for the past sort of week kind of thinking about all the questions that you and i often ask guests and we, you know, we, we ask people like what they would like to talk about. Um, that's been a really interesting experience being on that other side. I, yeah. I understand how nervous people are when they come on this podcast now, but it's also been a really great sort of reflection piece for me. I've been able to kind of look back at sort of when I believe all the, you know, my depression and anxiety started and look back then and go, holy shit, I've come a long way. I'm I'm a lot different and a lot better of a person than I was 12 years ago and I know how to deal with things and I am literally on a career path now that I'm super passionate about and I absolutely love and I can hopefully help people the same way that I would have wanted help when I was 18 or 20 years old and just had no idea what I was doing. Well, it's been uh, it's been great being you know the host for for this episode but I'm uh, happy to go back to <laughs> Man, it's been fun. It's been you. You've done a bang up job, and it's been it's been really interesting being on the other side of of this sort of interview. And I really appreciate that line in length gives both you and I and anyone who comes on this really awesome opportunity to tell a story that they're comfortable sharing. But also in the hopes that you know we start a conversation with someone, and maybe we help one person. And I've I've said this right from the beginning, and you have two Kels. If this podcast helps one person, then I deem this completely successful. Like we've done an awesome job helping just one person. If it helps more, fantastic. But as long as we help one person, that's all that matters. Um, I guess we should say, you know, as, as the outro, we need you know, our audience to like and subscribe to this show. By doing that, by subscribing on Spotify, um, helps others like yourself find us. So simple... Subscribe and like would help us hate and it would uh, you know, grow our audience, which is what we want to do, which is have an impact. We want to have a greater impact. Uh, follow us on Instagram, look us up line of length on Instagram. And um, we've got to thank our mate Stuart, a boy out of Melbourne. He's our producer he, uh, down there. And uh, a little fun fact about Stuart is that he's actually a Collingwood fan. Uh, each, each episode, we're going to you know, introduce Stuart a bit more, and he's a, he's a Collingwood magpies. Yeah, we won't hold that against him too much, eh? <laughs> not, not at all. Not at all. Um, you know, I'm a Hawthorne fan, but I'll I'll steer clear of the AFL debate. Uh, you know, we want Stu to keep producing the amazing work that he does for us. So. Absolutely, Aiden. Thank you so much for coming on as a guest. You really, you know, you, you did everything that we could expect. You know, you you were honest. You were vulnerable. Um, you spoke with raw emotion, and you know that's what. About and I, I know that uh, myself. I already feel like I know you on a much more personal level, and I'm sure our audience do as well. So thanks for the safety of that, mate. It's incredibly, it's incredibly great.
No, thank you. Um, look, I've been I've been nervous about doing my own episode for ever since I recorded yours, actually. Um, but look, it needs to be done, and um, yeah, I think I think these are really important conversations that we're having, and you know, uh, if this helps a lot of people kind of realize who I am, even though I've been the host for for nineteen odd episodes, at least now you can sort of hear my story and what I've gone through and why I really believe the stuff that you and I are doing on this podcast is really effective and, and reach out to anyone guys. And like I said, my piece of advice to me when I was 18 was be okay with asking for help and that it is okay. Um, I hope you, I hope everyone listening can take that sort of piece of advice. And like, if you are not, if you're not feeling great and you're feeling a bit down or you're feeling depressed or anxious, ask for help. There are people out there that want to help you. It's a great way to end the show. Uh, thanks. Thanks the audience. And, um, We'll see you next week when we're both co-hosting. Easy. Thanks very much, guys. Cheers, guys. This episode of This Is Your Line and Length was brought to you by Pick a Financial Solutions. Pick a Financial Solutions can help you with your financial well-being. This includes restructuring your finances, purchasing your first home, or purchasing an investment property. To reach out to Pick a Financial Solutions, see the links in this episode's notes. If this podcast has made you realize that you or a friend would benefit from having a chat, please don't hesitate to reach out to experts like Lifeline, Yon Blue, or Medical Professional. In the meantime, take care, look after your lid, and look forward to the next episode of This Is Your Line and Length.